Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Business of Design podcast, episode 14. Closing that sale, that initial phone call, you've got a potential customer and you're going to get them on the phone and convince them that you're the perfect person to hire. I have a treat for you all today. Those of you who attended the Business of Design conference back in 2014, you already know our guest, Isoon Cook. Isoon has worked with me now for more than 15 years and strictly because of a demand to have her services, she's now become uh, an integral part of the Business of Design coaching community. And Isoon is going to share her experience on answering my phone for the past 15 years. And you're going to get a lot of tips and tricks from her. I do want to tell you that Isoon is a best practices sales coach. She specializes in booking uh, consultations for interior design professionals like me and like you. I'm not her only client. I'm a big client, but she does have other clients as well. She's also an intuitive coach. She has been teaching success strategies since 1992. I get to work with her on a daily basis, and I can tell you she does so much more for me than answer the phone. But I want to start with this. I have said repeatedly when I speak to groups that if I had to go back and do it all again, the very first thing I'd would do is hire Isoon. And I say that because I lost so much time and probably turned off so many potential clients when I answered the phone myself, because invariably the conversation went something like this. Hi, hi, thanks for calling us. That's great. I would love to work with you. Tell me about your project. And then the client, the potential client would launch into a description of the new project, which was super exciting, of course. I got swept up in all of it, imagining how great it was going to be at the finish line. And then what would happen is the client would begin to pick my brain about various aspects of the project. So listen, Kimberly, uh, we bought a Victorian and it looks like every other house on the block is beige and brown. We're kind of thinking we'd like to have a, a bright green front door. What do you think about that? And so I would provide some insight and some expertise on that phone call. Uh, but one question never sufficed. And before you knew it, uh, 45 minutes had passed and I'd answered a whole litany of questions. And by the way, answered those questions without enough information to really be effective because you and I both know decorating questions are not something you can answer over the phone very well. Clients will ask you about some aspect, but they fail to tell you 12 other things that impact that decision. So I would spend 45 minutes of my time answering a whole bunch of questions and then be very disappointed when the phone call didn't end in them hiring me to do their project. 
Today, I know there's a whole lot wrong with that scenario. Number one, when I would call people back, typically I was trying to squeeze in the phone call between 12 other things. I left one job site, I'm on my way to another job site, things are kind of hairy as they get sometimes, and I tried to squeeze in the phone call. So I'd call them back from my car. The reception wouldn't be great. I'd go under a bridge and I'd lose them. I'd have to call them back. Or I was on my way to pick up my kid at soccer practice. And so I'd get there and then there'd be the whole interruption of, Hey, mommy's on the phone. Shh, give me a minute. And the potential client was listening to all that. Now it made me a human being. They knew that I was a busy mom as well as an interior design professional, but it wasn't the professional foot forward. I wanted to begin a project with, it did not suit me very well. It was not serving my best interests. In contrast, I have someone, Isoon, who is a professional salesperson, and she answers the phone call. She's not in a position to answer decorating questions. That's not what she does, but she has a very strict process for intaking those potential customers and deciding whether or not we're the right firm to work with them for getting them signed up for the consultation. And that's a big thing too, by the way. When I used to return the phone calls, my goal wasn't to get them signed up for a consultation. Oh no, my goal was to end up in a magazine. So I needed the whole project. Tell me about the project. I want it. You should hire me to do that. I'd be great at that. Let's go, let's go. Well, they don't even know you at that point of the first phone call. So it's a very bad time to sell them your services for designing the whole house it's far easier to sell them a consultation. Before we jump into the episode, I do want to say thank you to our newest sponsor, and I'm very, very grateful to this particular sponsor, Kravit Fabrics, Kravit Inc. I have been a loyal customer of Kravit Fabrics since 1991, and that's not because I'm a nice person. That's because they deliver unparalleled customer service. What do I mean by that? Of course, they sell me beautiful fabrics and beautiful wall covers and now carpets and curated cravat as well, furniture. But what I love about them, in addition to the fantastic products they provide, which make me look good in front of my clients, is their customer service. When I have an issue, when I have a question, they are immediately responsive to my needs. They understand what it is that I do and they immediately satisfy me so I can in turn satisfy my clients. Established in 1918, they are still a family-run business, which I love, and they remain industry leaders supporting the community. So thank you so much to Kravit for reaching out and sponsoring the podcast. And for those of you who aren't shopping at Kravit, I really encourage you to support them as they really do care about the trade and your trade business. And to be perfectly frank and even crass, you can make a lot of money when you sell fabrics to clients. So it's a win-win. Thank you, Kravit, Inc. I soon. It's so good to talk to you like this. How are you? 
I am just delighted to be on the phone with you. Absolutely. I'm terrific. Thank you. I, I get Isoon in my life a lot, and I'm very lucky to have you in every single way. And I talk about you a lot. I don't know if you know this, but when I'm out on the road, I'm always like, well, when Isoon answers the phone, when Isoon does this, and Isoon tells me that. <laughs> so you're sort of a, you're, you're kind of a well-known figure in the business of design community. And I want to pick your brain today because you've got so much experience about how to sell those consultations. Uh, and how to convince the client who's sitting on the fence, not sure if they're going to hire us, uh, to pull the trigger and hire us. Let's just start at the beginning. You get a phone call and somebody's inquiring about design services, and I assume you phone them back. What happens? The first thing I do is to advise people to have a smile in their voice. The reason I say this because often over the years, and I've been working with you for 15 years now, believe it or not. Wow. They, it's either a referral or they've seen your um, website or they've been scouting through the house pages. So they want to know that they're really special. And I, I always say this. Um, years ago, I forget what it was, but I had to make a quick complaint call about a service and the gal that answered the phone was so charming. And she said, hello, how can I offer you excellent service today? And all of a sudden, all the anger and all the complaints <laughs> just completely went out of my head. And I said, that's a delightful way to answer the phone. And then we were just able to talk through things. So a lot of times when I speak to the client, I always ensure that I have a smile in my voice and that I really want to hear uh, what their project is about, and I want, I'm so excited to tell them about the services that we can offer. So it usually starts with that, asking a little bit about what their project is about. Is it small? Is it one room? Is it the whole house? Is it a brand new home? Well, they're very excited if it's a brand new home, so I'm enthusiastic for them. Oh, how delightful. This is fantastic. You must be so excited about your new home. They get to talking about the project a little bit, and then I will explain how our process works in terms of the consultation, which is usually a two-hour meeting on site with the client to talk about uh, exactly what it is they need, whether it's, you know, furnishings, furniture placement, sometimes it's colors, sometimes it's more, sometimes it's a reno and uh, structural wall has to come down. But I just get a brief overview of what their exciting project is all about. Now, what happens when you get an email? You can't put a smile on your voice in an email, or can you? What do you, what do, you do with the email? Yes, you actually can put a smile on your voice in the email. We have a really beautiful response that talks about how, how excited we are that they got in touch with us, that this is exactly the type of project that we excel in. And, uh, of course, I will want to speak to them on the phone, too, we always have to, to get the information, to get their address, to get their credit card information, that sort of thing. But your initial email can certainly have a smile on it. You can, you can tell the difference between an enthusiastic response and just sort of a standard bland response. And we have a, a pretty fantastic way of first getting in touch with the client to get them very excited about what more do these people offer. You know what's fun about it? Um, you can tell just by listening to Isoon probably how... Um, passionate and excited she is. Now, I'm working full-time in interior design, so I'm in and out of houses all day long. People are renovating their kitchen. They're building a new house. And yes, it's exciting, but for me, it's work. 
for I soon, it's just plain exciting. And it's so much better that you call them back because I'd be like, yeah, yeah, you want a reno. <laughs> Who doesn't? But for, exactly. for you, I assume that's like exciting stuff. Well, you know what else is exciting about it is I'm not a designer. I don't have a background in design at all. My background is in sales and coaching. And so if they start to ask me specific questions, about whether the gray drapes go with the yellow carpeting, I have no idea. That's not my bailiwick. And as a matter of fact, I know that for my own home, I would hire a professional designer because... Oh, anybody I, in mind? <laughs> <laughs> I have a few favorites. Yes, I do. <laughs> so, of course, I'm delighted because what I'm doing is I'm helping them to be excited and happy in their own home. I love that. I was terrible at returning the phone calls. I was terrible at, it's not that I don't like people, I do, but I found myself always in the middle of a dynamic job site where there were 12 things going on and I try to find a quiet corner to return the phone call to the potential client. And invariably there was noise from the construction or a trade needed my attention and I just wasn't giving them my full attention. Where with you, um, you don't return their call until you have a moment or five or 10 or 15 minutes when you can give them your full attention. And that is a good way to start the relationship, isn't it? Much better than the way I was starting it before I found you. Absolutely. Much, much better. And that's what I found with um, s- several clients. I work, I've work. i worked with you the longest, 15 years, but I work with a couple of other interior designers where I book their consultations. And that's precisely it. This is my job. This is what I love to do. I am the client services representative that phones them to give them the information that they require to answer the questions that they need about what the cost is going to be and what the process is going to be. Because the thing is, too, you know as well as I, a lot of times people will phone thinking that their two-hour consultation will um, entail full drawings and uh, are they going to be bringing fabric samples with them? Are they going to be bringing tiling and flooring samples as well as, <laughs> you know, the, the paint fan deck? But the, um, the fact is I have to explain the process so that the poor designer doesn't show up on site thinking, oh my goodness, what, what sort of expectations does this client have? They're very clear on what the expectations are because I am very clear on what the process is. You get an email and you respond to it with our standard sort of templated response. You get them on the phone and you put a smile on your voice and you've got them like putty in your hands. Are you thinking during this time, I assume that you have a goal in mind? Absolutely. The ultimate goal, of course, because it is still a business. As much as I'm passionate about it and it does not feel like work to me, it is a business. And my ultimate goal is to close the sale and process payment on a paid design consultation. That's my ultimate goal. Do I reach that goal with each and every phone call? No. Sometimes it takes a little bit of massaging. Sometimes it will take two, not often, but maybe three phone calls because quite often... um, it's uh, a woman that calls me asking about a design consultation and quite often she'll have to go back to her husband to explain this is the cost, this is the, um, the, proceed- the process. And the third thing is that occasionally the husband will want to be there for the initial design consultation. So that impacts me when I get back to them on available dates and times. 
The funny thing about you having that as your goal, your goal is to sell a consultation, is when I used to call them back, my goal wasn't to sell a consultation. My goal was hire me to decorate your whole house. Please, please, I'm ready. Here I am. Let's do it. Let's do it. And they're not ready for that. This is the first phone call. So your goal, just sell them a consultation, is brilliant. That's correct. And that is the goal. And the thing is, there are two types of people that phone in. Number one is the person that wants, for example, wants Kimberly Settlement Design, wants Kimberly to visit their home for the two-hour consultation, and wants to move ahead. When is Kimberly available? Then there's the second person, the shopping around person, the one that's phoning two or three of the top designers and sort of figuring out who it is that they want. I'm still going to give them the smile and the voice, and I'm still going to give them the exact information that they require and the process and the fact that we ask for payment, you know, upon booking so that the poor designer doesn't have to spend the first 10 minutes having to deal with getting a check or a credit card payment. Um, and so the shopping around person is the follow-up person. I call it fabulous follow-up, and I know we're going to get into that later on in the podcast, but... It is so important because just that one phone call sometimes doesn't seal the deal. Sometimes I will have to follow up. And uh, quite often, by the way, quite often with the follow-up phone call, I close the sale. So even though with my initial phone call, my um, ultimate goal is to close the sale, I can feel if people are leaning in towards it and it'll take one more phone call. And uh, sometimes I say this, even though I coach, sometimes you just have this spidey sense about how things are going to um, end. And I can, I can tell now, after so many years in the biz, I can tell now if people are going to be whipping out their credit card by the end of the conference, by the end of that initial phone call. Oh my gosh. Okay. Two things are freaking me out right now. One, I've never heard you say fabulous follow-up and I've known you 15 years. We've worked together 15 years, never heard fabulous follow-up. So that's awesome. Um, to me, I was terrible at following up, never had time to follow up. And if they don't want it, I, I don't have time to chase them and blah, blah, blah. So I love that. But the second thing is your spidey sense. You have a really strong spidey sense. So how do you know when it's a fabulous follow-up versus a blow them off, don't bother with this one? The person that phones that I know I've got them uh, to, I'm going to sell that consultation by the end of the phone call, are the people that phone, tell me exactly what they require in the project, tell me what their timeline is. Uh, uh, sometimes people that have worked with designers before already understand the process and they're so ready to just move ahead. And um, a lot of times it's a professional woman that knows that she's not going to be doing this herself and she's making the decisions herself. She doesn't necessarily have to go back and speak to her significant other to, um, to, to talk about budget or to get quote-unquote permission to move ahead with the project. So uh, as we talk, I can just tell when I start telling her uh, what the available dates and times are, and she'll turn around, she'll, and she, I'll hear her either flipping through her calendar or, you know, spinning through her phone going, okay, I'll take the Tuesday appointment, and it's done. So those people, they're wonderful. They know exactly what they want. They turn out quite often to be wonderful clients as well because um, yes. somebody that has never worked with a, a designer before might have to be, there might be a little bit more hand-holding through the process, the 15-step process, et cetera. Um, the other person, as I said, is the woman um, that has to go back to 
uh, to her significant other or is not really sure of the timeline or just thought, for example, oh, I saw Kimberly on City Line. I thought I'd phone in to find out how much a consultation is. That might be a follow-up, a fabulous follow-up phone call. And because life is so busy, Kimberly, that's the other thing is um, so often I'll phone for the follow-up and people are afraid to follow up because they think that they're going to be bugging people, quote-unquote. Yeah. I've often um, discussed this with uh, people as I'm coaching them, too, is that the follow-up actually is a service to the person. I can't tell you how often I've gotten a phone call from, for example, my mechanic saying, oh, I assume it's time for you to bring your car in uh, for the service, remember? And I completely forgot. And I'm like, of course I'm going to bring my car in for service. And you are I, so right about that. I mean, I get my teeth cleaned every um, six months because the dentist sends me an automated reminder. I wouldn't remember otherwise. Right. And I would say about 70% of the time when I follow up and I phone and say, hi, it's Isoon calling, just wondered if we wanted to move ahead and book that design consultation, they thank me because they've got three kids and a busy job and their mother's coming to visit and they thank me going, oh my gosh, it was in the back of my mind. I'm so happy you called. Let's book it now. See, it's so funny you say that because when I was the person following up, I felt like if I'm such a good designer, why am I chasing this person for a job? Shouldn't I be so busy? I don't care. So hiring you removes all this pre-existing default position, core, you know, upbringing that I have around asking for money, et cetera. It just changes the dynamic entirely. So hiring you, I tell people now, if I had to go back and start over again, the very first thing I would do, and I mean the very first thing would be find my Isoon. Um, because you changed my life when you came into the business. You you mm-hmm. did, and you do. You continue to change my life. Because here's the other thing: if somebody says, "Well, I don't know, eight hundred dollars for a two hour consultation," that's kind of ridiculous. If it were me on the phone, I'd be saying, "Well, you know, I can do this and I can do that." I'd start tap dancing and showing them all the great things I can do. Where you're like, "Hey, you're not our customer." Not only that, but when I start to say. The designer can do this. The designer can do that. She's absolutely wonderful. She has an 85% repeat, uh, you know, customer repeat um, success. Now, all of a sudden, you're not tap dancing. You're not patting yourself on the shoulder. Your assistant or your client services, you know, you could, it could be an admin assistant. It could be a client services rep. I've often told people to, to check out the local uh, drama schools and get an actress on the phone for the first the initial <laughs> design consultations because the person who answers your phone to book the design consultation does not have to have a background in design. Absolutely does not. And as a matter of fact, I think it's a benefit if they don't simply because there are a certain amount of people that are going to keep that poor person on the phone for an extra 40 minutes asking design questions and um, yeah. often they do try to answer them over the phone. Well, because it's very difficult not to. It's very difficult not to. So that was another thing that was a game changer. You're not even attempting to answer those questions. And I found myself way too many times having a 30, 45-minute phone call with someone just answering their decorating questions, and then they didn't sign up for a consultation because guess what? I answered all their questions, or they think I did, 
uh, yes. at that initial phone call. So it left me depleted. It left me full of anxiety because sometimes people call and say, $800, are you crazy? And yeah. I didn't like hearing that. And you hear it and you just think, well, go to someone else. It's not, you're not taking it personally. So That's lots of right. advantages right. to hiring someone like Isoon or hiring Isoon. Correct. That's correct. And if somebody bulks at an $800 fee for a two-hour consultation on site with a design expert that's been in the business for more than 20 years, that is an incredibly great $800 spent right there. Right. And if they don't get that, they're not your client. Then they're not your client. And that's the other thing is that if I hear people who talk about, well, I could get a designer for 75 bucks at you know, I, whatever, I don't even know. One of the big box stores, quite often they'll have a counter with, with um, you know, decorators there. And that's all good and fine because there's customers for everybody, right? Yeah. But I know, I know when they're not our client. And I wish them well and I send them on their way and it's all great. And I always wish them at the end of the conversation, hey, good luck with your design project. It sounds like a very exciting time. But I know that they're not going to be our client. Right. And it's, Sometimes it has happened that they have come back to us. They've gone to work with somebody else. It's been a big, hot disaster, and they realize <laughs> that if they throw some more money at it and hire um, a professional, it's going to go better, and uh, you've had those calls too. Yes, I've had lots of those calls, and some of them I don't even tell you about, <laughs> where they'll come back and they'll say, you might not remember me. I called about eight months ago, and quite often I do. I've got a fairly good memory, and I'll say, yes, of course. How did the design project work out? Well, that's what I'm calling about. Didn't work out so well. I'm wondering if Kimberly's available. <laughs> yes, she is. Let's pick a date right now. <laughs> Let's do this. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Okay, so this. a couple of things. You mentioned previously your spidey sense. And yes. I know at least a handful of times in the 15 years that you have said to me, I don't like this one. I, I'm going to tell them no, or, yes. you know, I'm going to let you go on this consultation, but I want you to be aware of the following things. And if it feels weird, I want you to leave. Yes. Uh, there are a few things, uh, and it just happened recently, as a matter of fact, where I spent more than three different occasions on the phone with somebody. Mm-hmm. And when they spend so much time asking questions and asking about the process and trying to get information out of me on some design advice, which I do not give because that's not my expertise, and then follow-up questions with a few emails. This has happened for several of my clients. I, I'll sometimes say, I'll phone the designer back and say, listen, I can go ahead and book, but I just want you to know this is a bit of a high-maintenance client. Already she has used up this many hours of my time. And the thing is, too, Kimberly, you know, if you're, if you're booking, for example, $800 for a design consultation, but you're paying your client services person $150 to, for three phone calls, four emails, and uh, several other follow-ups, then that's going to be digging into your bottom line. Is this really worth it? And is this going to be a difficult client all the way through? So I always will give the uh, the designer a heads up, and you and I both know there have been times that we've said, I don't think this is our client. So we're, we find a very gentle and professional way to say we're not available for them. Right. Do you remember 2008? It was a great year. We were humming along. We were busier than we've ever been. And somewhere around the end of that year, about September, I think, um, 
the economy changed in North America, yeah. and it was immediate. And the phone stopped ringing, and uh, a lot of the projects that we had on the go were put on hold. And I soon the person I called to cry. She's the person I called to say, I soon I what's going on? Um, we're not getting any new consultations. It's the end of days. Do you think I should apply at the local <laughs> Starbucks? And I soon is also counselor and a handholder. That's for sure. And I remember specifically saying, you know, a lot of people are saying they're lowering their fees to get through this. And you told me, you told me, no. That's right. I remember giving you that advice saying, if you lower your fee, you're never going to get back up again. Yes. If you lower your fee to whatever we talked about that time, 550 or $600, and then the economy changes, and then you raise it back up to $800 for design consultation, there's going to, it's going to be a problem. And so I advised you against lowering your fee. I remember you saying so clearly to me, the person who's willing to pay $600 is going to be willing to pay $800. That's not going to be a deal breaker. That's correct. That's absolutely correct. And the person, that doesn't change who our client is going to be. Even though there were less clients at that time, 2008, 2009, and part of 2010 were very difficult times. The big project sort of dried up. A lot of people were phoning um, just asking for uh, color and furnishings and just sort of decor, styling, that sort of thing. Oh it was very different. Do you remember the one client that we, we got this one client and it was to redecorate her dining room, but she already had the furniture. So I think it amounted to um, a couple of pieces of artwork, maybe a, a lamp, <laughs> maybe a carpet. Hi. And I remember you calling me and you were all pumped and you said, you get to do the whole dining room. And we were so like, oh my gosh, we're, we're desperate for design build projects that would last two years. But it turned out that she was lovely and yes. I didn't have to be resentful because I got paid exactly like I always get paid. Absolutely. And a lot of those small clients, not a lot, I can think of three uh, smaller clients in 2008, 2009, came back to us in 2016 with another project. That's right. Yeah. And the other thing, too, was we became the queen of queen of bathrooms for about a year there, too, that the only thing people were phoning us is they wanted to upgrade their, their master bathroom. So we had about eight bathroom projects on the go. You know what? That is so funny. At one point, I said, I feel like I'm a bathroom showroom. Like we had, we ended up having all the tiles and everything in the office because why not? We're just going to be doing another bathroom. So you, you're right. You can get through those dark days um, with you know, if you're lucky, um, but lowering the fee wasn't the thing that helped us out. I don't think lowering that fee would have gotten us any more business. It would have just gotten us lower, you know, clients that have less money to spend, I guess. That's right. Lowering the consultation fee was never an option. That is correct. You mentioned that you work with other design firms, which is great. Now, I think the majority of the other design firms you work with are also using the 15 steps, which is awesome. So you can, the process is kind of similar. Do you coach the other designers you work with to raise their fees also? Because I kind of look at that consultation fee as a pre-qualifier to my correct client. Yes, both. uh, I'm thinking of the two clients. I work with three clients right now. And for all of them, they do use the uh, 15 steps as you have it outlined in the business of design. And they did raise their um, consultation fees to something 
just more appropriate for the work that they're doing. Both of them have 20 years of experience. Both of them are uh, are experts in their field, and they were uh, lowballing their their consultation fees. Right. It's so we we do that because we so desperately want the work. Um, I've worked for myself since I was 14 years old. So for me to say no to any job is very, very difficult. It's much easier for you to say no on my behalf. That's the other thing I wanted to ask you about. Do you remember years ago, I interviewed Tony uh, Bennett on a television show that I did and he was lovely and he was wonderful. And at the end of our day together in New York city, uh, we had a great interview. We had a wonderful time. We had a beautiful lunch together. And Tony, I said, Tony, what's your place in San Francisco like? And he was talking about, he said, oh, well, we want to come and shoot there next. And he said, we'd love to have you. And I said, oh, great, amazing. Now Tony Bennett is my new best friend, right? And then I told you about that, I soon and he reached out to Tony's assistant to set it up. And she said, no. She said flat out, no, not going to happen. He's super busy this year. He's launching some new album. And I stomped my foot and said, but Tony said we could. And what she said to us was, it's Tony's job to say yes. It's my job to say no. And Absolutely. that was huge for me. So now what happens is I get requests all the time. Can you come and speak at my book club? Can you come and do this? Can you can you uh, appear uh, on a, the home show for free? And my response is always the same thing. I would love to. It sounds wonderful. Here's Isoon's phone number. That's exactly right. Exactly. And we do some of them, right? We do some of them. But you, the point is you have an objective view on whether or not this fits with my brand does it make sense? Has she given too many hours to charity already this year? Can I get $1,500 as a speaker's fee instead of nothing? Like, tell me, tell me about that side of what you do for us, too. Yes. Well, you outlined some of the points. Number one, if there's a um, pro bono situation where they can give us some excellent uh, promotion, some excellent marketing, and we in exchange can speak for their group, then that's fantastic. I believe that there was one incident where there was, it was some sort of a home tour or something like that, and because of the audience members, it was going to be a huge audience, and because of the area that they lived, I thought, this is our client. We might be able to get um, a client out of this group. So you went, you actually went for free. I thought it was a good idea. And you did end up getting a huge project out of mm-hmm. one of the clients. We got, I think, three inquiries. And so three consultations. You went to the one consultation. It was a huge renovation. And that was well worth the three or four hours that you had to, you know, put your makeup on, get down there and do the um, presentation. There were other times, too, where people will phone for home shows or book clubs or um, other events. Uh, some Oh, yes, openings of new store openings, that sort of thing. Right. And I'm not sure that that's necessarily going to um, benefit us in any way, because it is still a business. There's still a bottom line. Right. And so I've, I've very gently said, thank you so much for thinking of us. I'm afraid Kimberly's not in town. And sometimes it's because you're not in town, or sometimes it's just thank you for thinking of us, but no, thank you, we're not able to do that this year. Right. So I have to gauge how it's going to improve our bottom line. And you have, you put that cap on all the time. You're very responsible that way, where for me, I'm much more emotionally driven. So I will be at an event and somebody says, I'd love to have you come and speak at my book club. And I truly think that would be fun. That would be fun. But you go back to the office, you're looking at my calendar and you think you don't have a single night free for the next three weeks. Why on earth 
would we try to squeeze you into a book club for free when you're running on empty as it is? I'm saying no. So in effect, you're kind of a gatekeeper as well. So so think about that if you're at the point where you're thinking you may want to hire someone to um, answer the phone and call people back for consultations. That's a huge part of it. But the other big part of it is it's someone really who has your back and is managing your schedule and saying, I don't, I don't think you had a single night at home in three weeks. What, you know, what's going on there? I have a perfect anecdote for that. There was one time that I was booking you with uh, City Line. There were a couple of consultations. There was an appearance because I think there was a, uh, a media PR a series of interviews that you had to do for a specific project. And so I was booking you here, there, and everywhere. And I phoned you and I said, Kimberly, there's not one single hour for you to sit down and have a meal, go to the washroom, freshen your lipstick, nothing. And you, being the Energizer Bunny, turned around and said, that's okay, I'll do it, I'll do it. And I said, no, you won't, because you're going to burn yourself out, and by Friday you won't even have a voice. (laughs) So I have to sometimes make sure that I book Kimberly's lunch hour or Kimberly's travel time. That's the other thing, too, is sometimes the client is a whole hour away. Oh, that's the other thing, designers. Make sure you're charging a travel fee because you're in the car. That is time that you're, you know, not charging. So we always charge a travel fee if it's outside of the Toronto area. But what's so funny was um, we uh, there was one calendar that we didn't even have that one hour booked in there. So you were like back to back to back to back. You were amazing. You got through it, but we never did that again. <laughs> we did end up at one speaking gig a couple of years ago with my voice con. I don't know if you remember that. I do. Yeah, that was something else. Okay. So there's a lot of advantages to finding your Isoon. And you, your suggestion, Isoon, is you need someone with a dramatic personality, a big personality, which I highly agree. They do not have to have a design background. That is not important. They ought to be pretty good at sales, right? They do have to be pretty good at sales. Some of that you can teach. Sometimes people like just have that natural ability. And the other thing, too, is um, when you ha- hire your ISOON, as you put it, is to make sure that they have some sort of training on what, the, you know, like if there's a suggested script or a suggested series of uh, the, what the process actually is. It's just so much easier for the person answering the phone if they know exactly that they're going one two, three, four. And after a while, when they get their confidence more and more, then their personality is just going to shine through. I have met wonderful designers, talented designers, amazing designers, who are, frankly, a little bit boring on the phone. So (laughs) why not have someone really exciting to answer your phone, and then you can do what you absolutely love to do. I love that. And you're not shy about asking for money either. I mean, a person who's good at sales is not shy about asking for money. So you state the consultation fee, you have a method for calculating the travel. Like what's the, what's the method that we use for calculating travel? Travel is calculated outside of the Toronto area. Um, if I'm booking consultations in Toronto, if consultations are being booked in LA, that's a little bit different. In the Toronto area, because I'm so familiar with it, if it's uh, outside of our sort of postal code area, the travel fee is $75 per hour for the return trip. If it's a one-hour or one-and-a-half-hour trip, I charge three hours. And I let people know right away. I let them know that the design consultation is up to a maximum of two hours. 
that fee is $800. It's going to be a three-hour return trip. That's going to be an additional $300. So your consultation will be $1,100 plus taxes. And how would you like to pay? (laughs) That's right. And we have had consultations that are three hours away or four hours away. And they're willing to do. We've flown to consultations before too. So don't put a limit on what the customer is going to pay. Charge what you need to charge in order to make this a profitable business model for you. And then it's fun, isn't it? Like the couple times I've flown to Nova Scotia or flown to Calgary or whatever for a consultation, I think, wow, you know, I enjoyed the process and the client felt that it was worth the money. And, you know, why not? It makes the work week kind of interesting, doesn't it? And the clients are so delightful. They always make sure they phone me and they say, oh, if Kimberly's flying into Halifax, I just want to make sure what kind of food she likes, what kind of, you know, drinks she likes. And they ensure that you're picked up at the airport and then you're brought back to the airport. Those out-of-town ones have been delightful. The furthest away was actually China. Yeah, that was that was something else. Yes. And by the way, that was a situation again where I soon took over control of that and said, she's flying first class and she's bringing an assistant or you're not having her. And um, I know for sure, had I been the person negotiating, I would have caved. I would have said, okay, economy is fine. Okay, you don't want me to bring an assistant. I know that's expensive. And you said, I'm not sending you to freaking China without, you know, someone holding your hand. There's no way. You're not going alone. So, and as it turned out, you were you guys were working 16-hour days. You absolutely oh. needed someone with you. That would have been exhausting. You wouldn't have done an excellent job. And we pride ourselves on excellence. We pride ourselves on customer satisfaction. So, you know, you're going to need the first-class ticket, and you're going to need the assistant with you. And if the answer is no, again, we know that simply is not our client. Wow, that is so true. That was a particularly difficult trip in a variety of ways. And if I had not had Brett with me at that time to just, you know, be able to say, ah, once in a while, I think it would have been a very, very rough trip. So thank you, by the way, for that. If I, if I never said thank you for that, I hope I say thank you to you a lot. And there's a lot of things that we're not going to get to on this episode. So what I'm going to suggest is that we turn this into a two-parter because I want to talk about budgets and how you get a budget out of the customer. I want to talk about your script. You have a script that you use for interviewing clients, and there's a lot of good information in there. And um, I definitely want people to know that you are a private coach. You do um, coaching through business of design to help them with their sales. You do have, I understand, one opening to take on another client uh, if somebody's looking for someone to answer their phone. Uh, And all of the information about the fabulous Isoon is going to be available at businessofdesign.com. So you can get her information there. And Isoon, you're just a delight. Every single time I talk to you, 15 years is a long time. Um, Can we end by telling them uh, what what happened when you tried to quit? Yes, I would be delighted. Terrible. I want to preface, though, by saying, Kimberly, you do say thank you an awful lot, number one. And number two, you also never hesitate to let me know when the client says, I assume it's delightful. Because I love that feedback. I love the clients to know that the person that they first spoke to on the telephone was delightful. Yeah, so and I hear that, that a lot, by the way. I get a little bit jealous sometimes because <laughs> they'll say, thank you for coming. And by the way, Isoon's awesome. <laughs> it's not me who's awesome. It's Isoon who's awesome. And they say it all the time. 
Oh, well, to get back to that story, Kimberly, yes, I, uh, several years ago, there were several things that were happening in my life. Uh, I had a young son at the time. My mother was not well. My father had just passed away about a year and a half before. And I, I thought I'm going to have to um, tender my resignation. And Kimberly and I went out for lunch together and I said, listen, I'm so sorry, but this, this, and this are happening. I'm going to have to tender my resignation. I have to leave Kimberly Selden Design. Now, I also want you to know I'm married to a wonderful, handsome, delightful, yes. terrific guy. We've been together for, we're going to celebrate our 21st wedding anniversary Yay. next month. And Kimberly reached across the table and said, I will let you divorce your husband before I'll let you leave me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what possessed me. Those words just came flying out of my mouth. And I love, I love Heinz. I love your husband. So I'm sorry, Heinz. I know you do. (laughs) But I was really serious about that. I said, we'll do whatever it takes to get through this and wait for you. So anyway, I'm so glad I did that. I don't know how there was, there was obviously design intervention there because, uh, I hadn't anticipated saying that, but losing you was just too much, and and you're wonderful. And part two of this exact same podcast will be uh, will follow up on all the things we talked about: the script, the budget, everything. Tell everybody a little bit about your sales training. I would be delighted to. Well, first of all, yes, I remember with that one business of design conference, I had something like 15 people afterwards glom onto me and say, yes, I want to book the sales and design consultation uh, training. So it was, it was wonderful. And uh, what it is, it's a one-hour telephone session. I can either be one-on-one with your uh, client services person, or I've also done it where the client sets up a conference call and I'll be able to speak to uh, three or four. I think the maximum I've done is four people in the room and do the telephone training. It's a one-hour session. There are eight learning modules. Um, It's a training session that's going to improve your sales pitch and turn potential clients into paying customers. It's based on a lot of what we've been speaking here, but much, much more depth. Sometimes people, we don't even get through everything in the first hour, and people want to, to book a second hour. But I do, I always hit the, uh, the eight modules, but sometimes people want a sort of a deeper, more uh, detailed session. All you have to do is go on to businessofdesign.com under sales and design consultation training and click on it, and I will get in touch, and I will book it with you. It's $325 U.S. Perfect. And we've had 100% uh, thrilled people who've taken that course and want more from you, I assume. So we got to figure out what other courses you're going to teach and add them to the regular curriculum of businessofdesign.com. I assume you're the best. I love you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. My pleasure. 